Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked slash streaming service and chill. And today we are discussing a Star Wars fan film slash, well not even a fan film, it's Star Wars episodes one through three. However, it is a fan edit called Neon Noir. And this, this edit was heavily influenced by Drive. If you have not seen Drive, it is the best thing Ryan Gosling has ever done ever in the history of the universe. So if you ever, ever want to look for a really good Ryan Gosling film, Drive. Drive is the one that I recommend to everybody. And it sort of pushed this idea of modern noir and what modern noir would look and sound like. And this this Star Wars fan edit plays off of that. So if you like the music from Drive, if you liked Drive and, and the way that it felt, this This is an edit for you, especially if you're like me and you really didn't like episode one through three. Everything you didn't like about one through three is gone. It it, it isn't even mentioned. It just, the best parts of the film stay and the worst parts of it go. And the worst characters, they're gone too. Boom, there you go. So much. Anyway, so much greatness about this, this edit. I enjoyed it. I think you'll enjoy it. Or you won't. If you don't, let me know in the comments and tell me how much it sucks. And I'd love to hear from you. I'll tell you that you're wrong, but I will let you speak your piece. All right. Ladies, gents, others. My guest, by the way, on this episode is Siri. And if you like Siri as a guest, great. I love him as a friend. I think he's even better that way. But Siri also makes music. And so, ladies, gents, others, this track that you're hearing right now, that's Siri. And that's the new theme for streaming service and chill. So boom, boom shakalaka, as they would say in NBA Jam. All right, have a great day, have a great afternoon, have a great evening, have a great whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. Oh, folks, as always, links are in the description if you would like to learn how to watch this super-duper cool cut of Star Wars 1 through 3. I've also included a link to the soundtrack, so there you go. That's the kind of professionalism you get from Woken Baked. Not a long time ago, you and I sat down and we watched the Neon Noir version of Star Wars Episode 1 through 3. Yes. Brought to it by Film Addicts uh, and, and the OG streaming service to chill to, <laughs> YouTube. First and foremost. Yeah, which... If I recall correctly, like YouTube videos at the very beginning were only like 10 to 15 minutes. They weren't very long at all. They kind of maxed out at a certain um, length. And so now to get, you know, like two-hour movies streamed on YouTube, uh, A is pretty cool, and B, it's got to take a lot of time to upload. But but that being said, you have fan films. We talked a little bit about them on last week's episode. Um, But you have these alternate cuts of movies that we know and that we're familiar with. And so for me, like I didn't know that this cut of Star Wars existed. We got into it because we were looking for the Toe for Grace edit of the first three uh, Star Wars, um, which I'm sure is out there to be watched. But this was something that I didn't know existed, um, the, the neon noir version. I don't even know if that's an actual genre. But it sounds like it should be. Um, you know, it seems like every film that was influenced by you know, Drive, starring Ryan Gosling and 
audio by probably some really cool French people. Um, <laughs> you know, it sounded like a like a French disco record, but I mean that was cool. Um, but the film itself, it, it had a lot of colors, it had a lot of light, and it didn't have a lot of the things that I really hated about episode one through three, which includes Jar Jar Binks and dialogue. Um, I, I gotta say, like if you didn't watch episode one through three and you only watched uh, the neon noir version, you, you might not be so disappointed. You took like six hours of your life that you're never gonna get back and put it into like a cohesive storyline with, you know, you know, like without the John Williams score, but something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so in your research for the film, what did, uh, of that film, what did you learn? For Drive? I uh, know, neon, the neon noir Star Wars. Oh, that, that it was actually, yeah, inspired by Drive. Um, I can't remember anything else at the moment, but hopefully I can pull up. Here and go through some of the interesting stuff. I don't know. One of the complaints that, that seems to, to be a regular uh, with the neon noir version is the way that sort of the, the music didn't translate well to the scenery and, and to what was happening in the movie. But for myself, like, I thought that, you know, like a change in the energy was important. You know, like it, it, the music in a film. I mean, it gives it a, a feeling. Mm -hmm. And to change that and to change the filters and to change the light, for me, I, you know, it was, it was a healthy change just because the original sucks so much. <laughs> um, no one has ever gone to a George Lucas film for the dialogue. No one ever tuned in to, like, Howard the Duck to, you know, like, I'm sure George Lucas wrote some brilliant shit. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's, you know, he's basically the next Martin Scorsese uh, with the dialogue. No one ever, no one gets excited for that. And so to get rid of, like, all of the garbage uh, and only keep, A, the action um, and, and, you know, the, the cool lines, the lines that, that made it coherent, you didn't have a whole lot of... Um, Hayden Christensen speaking, no. which is great. He just got like the broody <laughs> eyes and him being angry. Mm -hmm. um, Little bits of the developing of his relationship with Padme, which I think, mm, I think it made you see just how much more George Lucas could have put in to develop their relationship and take it the direction it was going. Because watching this, it felt. You know, there's some really big moments and stuff, but they didn't last long enough to really kind of convey uh, emotional weight, I felt. Yeah, but I don't think that George Lucas did a really good job of addressing emotional weight in the first three movies. Um, true. <laughs> I, it was one of those, when the, the first three came out, I remember the rumor that, like, the three were going to have different directors, right? And yes. you were going to have Spielberg, and that you might actually have Martin Scorsese or... Or just about any other number of dudes. Uh, I would have loved to have seen a Zack Snyder Star Wars movie. I, I would have liked to have seen what different directors could do, not with like the Star Wars genre, but with those particular characters. If you have, you know, pre Darth Vader, what does it, what does it look like when the guy that that gave us so many good Joe Pesci characters? 
mm. uh, does to you know pre Darth Vader. That would have been interesting. Yeah, um, I would have liked to have seen what um, what Tarantino or Christopher Nolan could do with a Star Wars movie. What does him telling the story of Vader? What would that look like? And why is it that I mean the best Vader movie in my opinion is Rogue One, um, which I hate to say is in my opinion probably the best Star Wars movie in the last twenty years at least. I'll agree with you there. Um, I don't think there's any reason to hate to say that. That was a very, very well done film. Uh, everything about that film felt right. It was dark. It was ugly. It was scary. Um, the last Star Wars episode nine just felt like it existed to pull at the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. It existed to make you sad. It existed to make you feel different things. And and in that regard, it did a good job. But it wasn't necessarily a good movie. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben killing his dad, um, you know, was an emotional movie or emotional scene because it's the death of Han Solo. Um, but the the scene itself, um, without without making it a death of Han Solo, um, didn't really have a lot to it. You know, like it was a son killing his father. As a dad, that's pretty rough. Um, but. I mean, it's supposed to be that way. I don't think that the films themselves were very good. They just had characters that you already had this 40-year attachment to, mm-hmm. and now they're getting killed. Um, you know, you, you get... Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's it. That's all they that's are. It. Everything you loved and enjoyed, they're just there to destroy and tear down, it felt like, in a lot of ways. And, and that was all they were there for. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't... They didn't do anything other than kill whatever it was that you were emotionally attached to. And so for me, like uh, the this neon noir cut of um, episode one through three was new energy into something that sucked. And I, I'm interested to see what comes from Star Wars fans in, in these last three films. Like, are, is someone going to make them better? Are they going to make them funny? Um... <laughs> you know, or, or the, you know, are you gonna make a, a comedy out of it? I I don't know. I feel like there are enough stories in Star Wars that could be told that just don't get told. Right. Um, we've we've seen the Wookies make a couple of uh, you know in a couple of scenes and a couple of films here and there. But I want the origin of Chewbacca. I want to know how Chewbacca got into space in the first place. Did you see the solo movie? I did see the solo movie, where, yeah, which was a cool. little bit not as far back as you're talking, but yeah, you got to see the the start of, of Han and Chewie's relationship. Yeah, which is cool. But I would have liked to have seen to know more. Yeah, you know, did Chewie have a family? Did he have a pet dog? Like, like Han. Han <laughs> it makes sense. He pay pets him. He gets he gets sad when yeah. when Han gets killed. I would get sad if my dog died. Wookiees live for hundreds of years. So. Hundreds of years. How many Han Solos has he gone through? Right. Um, exactly. But like, aside from like Han Solo, like what other pets do you think that like that Wookiees would have? Ewoks. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they have Ewoks on Kashik, but. I mean, like, did you ever get into those stories? Like, you know what planet he's from, like... Yeah, Kashyyyk. Um, yeah, Wookiees were fairly technologically 
advanced. Um, I don't remember if they necessarily were into space flight, but uh, because of how hardy they were, they were taken off their planet and used as a slave force to build the Death Star. No shit. So yeah. they're so they're like articulate with their hands. Yeah. So yeah. excellent craftsmen. Like they make their crossbows and stuff. So so let's go back to that argument from uh, um, uh, clerks. Mm. So you got your contractor and you're working on the Death Star. These weren't contractors. These were Wookiee slaves that were putting together the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And and Star Wars never addressed those in the film. Why not? That could have been a great story. Yeah. The the freeing of the Wookiees. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in the books they talk about rebellions happening. And that's why uh, the Death Star was behind schedule a number of times because of revolts and uprisings. And so there are Wookiee and space stories that aren't being told. Yes. Why aren't they being told? I mean, like those seem to be like the movies that if you can get 10 bucks out of me and three hours of my time, it's, it's one of those origin stories. It's Wookiees fighting in space with blasters trying to end the Death Star. Now, some, some listeners uh, might be familiar, or, or they might not be familiar, uh, with a book called The Hole of the Pale Horse. Are you familiar with the book? Uh, we've gone over it a little bit. So I, William, I haven't read it. So William Cooper, in this book, says that the Nazis had moon bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on the dark side of the moon, and I believe in the 60s or 70s, there was actually a battle between the Americans and the Russians on the dark side of the moon. Ah, lots of people got killed. Chewbacca has that story. His peoples have that story about rebelling on the Death Star. And that's one that I want to see. Yeah. I want to see that. So, we might. Um, the recent rumor, Scuttlebutt, is, um, I can't remember her name. I think it's Catherine, who's been in charge of Lucasfilm and the Star Wars universe, um, is gonna going to be replaced by Jon Favreau, who is the guy behind Doing the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. And so we, he, he wants to delve into the history and stuff. They're talking about completely scrapping the recent trilogy and rebooting. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, John Favreau, um, for those of our, our listeners who may not be aware, uh, played John Favreau in, uh, in The Sopranos. Really? Yeah, he stole parts of uh, Christopher Montesante's story and included them in his script. Wow. That son of a bitch. Holy cow. John Favreau. That's crazy. Yeah. He also plays Happy in Iron Man. Didn't he direct Iron Man? Yeah, he did. He started off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Not true. That was Howard the Duck, sir. Oh. Howard Wait, the Duck was the there... first Marvel movie. Oh, wasn't there one before that? Like, there was some weird little Captain America. Um, well, there was, was the Captain America. I think there was a TV show. Yeah. There was a TV series, but I'm fairly certain... Uh, Howard the Duck was the first member of the uh, Marvel Comics universe to make it to the to a major motion picture. Um, so that's it. I mean, that in itself is a weird little interesting fact. Uh, it wasn't a, so technically the first movie was Howard the Duck. Um, there was a 15 chapter serial film, Captain America, 1944. Nice. Then it was Howard the Duck, then the Punisher. <laughs> so. Howard the Duck, I'm fairly certain, is not on Disney+. Plus. 
which seems like it should be because it's part of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And Disney now it's owns a Marvel. a duck, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why? I mean, why couldn't he exist in the universe where Donald Duck exists? Um, in fact, what if he is from the universe where Donald Duck exists? And Donald Duck's the biggest star. What if those films are taken from that universe and... Uh, and that's how we ended up where we're at with DuckTales and all that stuff. DuckTales <laughs> is, 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 you know, like Indiana Jones of that Duck universe. Right. You know? So somewhere in DuckTales, they're watching a show about a family. <laughs> Dude, what if they're watching The Simpsons? That'd be trippy. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> what if... <laughs> so... So what if Doc Brown and Marty McFly are watching Rick and Morty? That would be a trip. And in another universe, Tom Cruise from Days of Thunder is watching Talladega Nights, (laughs) wondering why the guy from his pit crew looks like Cal Naughton Jr. (laughs) Which, by the way, John C. Riley is in both Days of Thunder and Talladega Nights. Really, I don't remember him in Days of Thunder. Yeah, he, you wouldn't. He was part of the. He was part of the the crew, yeah. um, uh, the the vehicle crew. I mean, he was in. Yeah, it wasn't like a big role, but like if you're John C. Riley at the time, I'm sure that was a big deal. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then you know, like 15 years later, he's Cal Naughton Jr. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which in basic, I mean, is basically the Will Ferrell Days of Thunder. Yeah. Um, Except way funnier and better acted. <laughs> um, yeah, instead of, was it Robert Duvall who was the, who was in charge of the crew? Uh, it was um, Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Rest in power. Uh, by the way, I think he was engaged to uh, Omarosa, who later worked for Donald Trump in the White House. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So the chick from The Apprentice ended up working in the White House. It's weird. That is weird. What a weird, <laughs> what a weird way to do to, to to operate. I don't know. What a time to be alive. <laughs> a very weird time. I just got reminded. Shout out to Scotty. Okay. His love for Bill Paxton. Yes. Uh, my brother just bought a movie the other day. That I hadn't seen before, called Near Dark. Bill okay. Paxton plays a vampire. Okay. And this is basically Twilight done right. Roman Never saw Twilight. <laughs> well, I think I saw the first movie. I might have been drinking at the time, so I don't remember a whole lot. But yeah, I, I don't know. I never got into him. I just know that Robert Pattinson is the new Batman, and I don't care. Yeah. Um, they who's directing the new Batman with Robert Pattinson. I don't need like the research answer, but like if you just know off the top of your head, that's good enough for me. Uh, no, I don't remember. No, I was like interesting choice, but I don't remember who it was. Yeah, I. I mean, it typically is though. Like it's either a really good choice or it's a really bad choice. No one woke up and and thought Val Kilmer was going to be a great Batman, no. and he wasn't. Um, but. I don't think very many people thought, oh, Tim Burton's going to make a great Batman film. But then he made a really great Batman film. I, I know. I then know. he killed Superman Lives. Um, wait, was that, so was that Tim Burton? 
Um, Tim Burton, Kevin Smith was writing, and Nicolas Cage was starring as uh, Superman. Yeah. And there, there are some of the stills and some of the the, um, the, the outfit. Yeah. And it looked really cool. Yeah. The the um, I, I don't think the technology was was there in in the late '90s to make that what it could have been. Yeah, not quite what they were going for. Now it'd be really co- uh, I can't remember the documentary, the title of it. But me and Jace were just last night watching, or last night, a couple nights ago, watching, making a documentary on it. Yeah, it's 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 one of those weird ones that there's no movie for it. However, there's a documentary for it, just like the the Terry Gilliam. Uh, Don Quixote documentary. Like he, he tries to make the movie several times, never works out. So he yeah. just makes the documentary about the movie never coming out. Yeah. Then there's like Jodorowsky's Dune. That's a trippy documentary to watch. Tell me about it. Uh, so Jodorowsky, who's known for um, Holy Man or uh, To the Mountain, I can't think the titles. Very very trippy visual artist. Uh, very full of symbolism. Um, I don't even know how to explain some of his plots, but he wanted to do Doom, um, and he was very involved. Uh, you know, he had there's the different planets, and so he's like, we're gonna have these instruments for these different planets, and then got very involved in you know the light motifs for the characters and stuff. Had so basically, we have seen. Um, scenes from Jodorowsky's Dune in Star Wars, in Valerian, in Star Trek. Anything that is sci-fi has heavily borrowed and been influenced by Jodorowsky's Dune. And Mobius, especially, the artist that was working with him, is this heavy influence. Um, I think that because things fell through for doing Dune, Oh, he was going to have his son uh, play, um, I can't remember the main character's name in Dune. Something of Atre- the house of Atreus. Yeah, yeah Atreus. Um, so he had his son like in- doing insane workouts and training uh, to play this character and stuff. And ended up falling Paul. through. Paul Atreus. Play Atre- Paul Atreus, yeah. Yeah. Um, that fell through, but he went on and he did a book called The Incall, which is... Very trippy. Jace has it. I'll have to bring it over so you can read it. Um, the online you can watch an animated version of the end call. So they were trying to get a Kickstarter to fund a movie. Uh, Kickstarter failed, unfortunately. But uh, just the animated, yeah, visually, Mobius is visually amazing. Uh, John Roski, his writing is insane, extremely philosophical. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that he was necessarily someone trying to be shaped by the world so much as shaping things to fit his view and stuff, but he's very, very interesting. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the new Dune coming in? I am beyond excited. So who's directing that? Um, shoot, I can't remember his name. Directed Chappie, District 13. District um, 9. District, District 9. 9, yes. So that dude... Okay, um, yeah. So Chappie was great. Um, Starts with an N. Uh, Dion Furt were were great in that film. Uh, District Nine is one that that I go back and watch every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now I might, I guess it wouldn't take place in South Africa because it's Dune. Um, <laughs> but he does these these very South Africa centric films. Uh, I mean, they, that's where they take place, where that's where these stories happen. And so, you know, I'm excited then to see that. If, if that's who's directing it, I thought Chappie was great. The yeah. story of Chappie was great. Neil the, Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp. Oh, Blomkamp. That's it. Elysium. Did you see Elysium? Yes. Dude. Great film. Yes. Um, yeah, it's one of those films where, you know, if you can, if you can succeed in making me, and not making me hate um, Matt Damon, <laughs> In fact, you make me root for him. Um, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't take much to get me to root against Jodie Foster. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but but this particular film, man, they everyone in that film was very very good. Um, yes, he does a very good job of bringing out the best in his actors. And, and, cool and I see things that I've never seen before, which is which is important. Um, these are films that are standalone. You don't want to see a sequel to them. A sequel to Chappie would suck. A sequel to Elysium would suck. Uh, a sequel to District 9 would suck. Mm-hmm. But these films, they do a very good job of telling the story from beginning to end and making it cohesive and making me want to tell people about it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Is it Blancamp or is it Dennis Villanova that's doing doing? I, I asked you. I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it might be Dennis Villanova who did uh, Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Um, well, what did you think of 2049? I loved it. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints because it's a three-hour movie. Uh, the pacing's slower. It takes a lot of time to develop. But I like that. Um, like The original Alien, the director's cut, I loved it because of the pacing. It was slower pacing. Um, the reboot... or remake of um, Schwarzenegger on Mars Total Recall Okay. Uh, the director's cut I love it uh, because the pacing was slower uh, they developed the story more and they threw in a number of twists it felt a lot more uh, Blade Runner-esque um, Ridley Scott uh, well they're, they're kind of the same canon I mean they're, they're kind yeah. of based in the same um, in that Philip K. Dick Dick World, uh, um, <laughs> Dick World yeah but if I'm not mistaken, um, Total Recall was all, like part of the, the backstory of Blade Runner, of uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Uh, I don't, I gotta remember, because of Recall and stuff. I think they were separate, um, but they, they came from the theme, Philip Dick had schizophrenia. Okay. Severe schizophrenia. And so all his stories were kind of him dealing with different aspects of schizophrenia. Um, paranoia is a very common symptom of schizophrenia. So he decided to write a book, well, what if I'm not paranoid? What if they really are out to get me? And it's kind of his way of exercising his demons okay. in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, Philip K. Dick was just he's a hell of a writer. Yes. But... That he could see so far out in the future and, and be pretty accurate. Yes, that's really insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the idea of, of replicants. Um, those are those are the stories that I want to see. Um, the the Roy Blatty um, from Blade Runner. His his story, uh, his battles um, in space. Those are those Ten are things. Gate. Yeah, which by the way. 
doesn't seem to be an actual place in space. I Googled it. Not a lot there. <laughs> um, but he had battles there, and I want to see those. I want to... I want to hear some of those stories. Um, the, uh, the the pleasure model, right? Mm-hmm. Like your entire existence is to essentially be a prostitute. Um, your existence is to pleasure humans, mm-hmm. and you're a, you're a conscious being. Like you have to wrap your brain. Like your creator created you for that. Yeah. Um, and in the case of Roy Blatty, your creator created you to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. But you you have a brain based on a human brain for all intents and purposes. It is a human brain because they implant you with actual human memories. Yeah, and and now you've also got to deal with all the emotions that come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how do you deal with that? Well, I I think the films did a really interesting job and and a really good job of doing that. I want to see how they got off the planet or how they got to, how they got to, from where they were to, to Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked that Blade Runner was dark. I liked that it was a scary, ugly world. Um, I didn't finish 2049 and I, it's one of those that I know that I should, um, but every time I start it, because it's so dark and so slow, I end up falling asleep. Yeah. No fault to the movie. Great friggin' movies. Um, not, you know, I'm not the biggest Jared Leto fan, um, but you know what? I like Ryan Gosling. Um, yeah. You know, I like Drive. Yep. And I did like Leto in this role. He did a good job. You're not, he's not necessarily there for you to like. You know, he, he plays his part. He plays a character. And now is he job. playing? Uh, is he is he a Tyrell or is he? Yes, uh, I forget what generation Tyrell, but yeah, or well, dang, now I don't remember. Because <laughs> um, I think this is Tyrell. I think he's a different corporation. I think Ty, by this time Tyrell Corp has been bought out, and he bought out the technology. But, um, yeah, he's heavily involved in the design, has no compunction about ending the life of whatever he's created if it doesn't measure up to his standards or just on a whim. There's a lot, man. There's a lot that goes into the the first Blade Runner. The the concept of God, the idea of God. God creates you to die. Um, God gives you a certain lifespan. And you don't know when that light gets turned off. Mm-hmm. Um, you have zero control of that. However, you, you have a heart, you have a brain, you have feelings, you have emotions, and they come and then you go. And Tears so, in the rain. Tears in the rain. Um, so you've got uh, Neil Blumkamp, Nick Blumkamp, doing, <laughs> doing these sorts of movies, I mean, because that's kind of what Chappie is. Yeah. Chappie uh, is dealing with the battery dying, um, he only has so long to live. You are my maker. Why did you make me like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're heavy. They're heavy ideas to, to wrap your brain around. For me, it's like the adult short circuit. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, if if short circuit had uh, had uh, ninja and whatever her name is from uh-huh. Dion Forth, um, <laughs> you know, like if it had those two and machine guns. 
Which, by the way, would have made Short Circuit a whole lot more entertaining <laughs> if they had Uzis and, and South African accents. So true. Um, so true. <laughs> make batteries not included, something else completely. Oh, dude, that's a classic, too. I would have, you know, I would have liked to have seen, uh, like, a Tim Burton get his hands on Alf. Yeah. <laughs> that could still happen. They're, you know, why not? It's all yeah. shit that's available. I mean, like, all of that canon is, is available. But I'd like to hear the darker story of life on uh, on Alf's planet. Like, I also want to see him get his hands on a cat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I j- and just see him devour it. You know, like, <laughs> make it a 20-minute scene of, uh, of Alf just getting busy with a cat. <laughs> just, ah, he's seasoning it. He's sautéing it. He's, he's, you know, it's like, it's like halibut. He's cutting out the cheek, you know. It's great when you saute it with garlic and butter. Um, <laughs> yep. Well, that would be a trip. Yeah. So, we, going back to the original movie, the Star Wars Neon Noir, would you recommend it? For, hmm. If you've seen the first three. I don't know that I would just recommend it to anybody. Um, I'd want it to be somebody that I know would appreciate the aesthetic that they were going for. Um, cause there, I know a lot of, you know, my brother's got a lot of friends that really are huge Star Wars fans. I'm using air quotes there. Um, <laughs> which that's a tangent for another time, but, um, that I don't think they would enjoy it or appreciate it, but I think somebody who enjoys films and sound scoring for movies and music, I, I think that would be something I would recommend to them. I think if you're the sort of person that looks for a good remix for a song, yeah, right. If you get into remixes or you get into like producer B tapes or you know you like listening to records that it, like if you like Portishead, this might be a a film you like. Yeah. If you like. Um, I mean, if you, you like listening to music get repurposed, right? If you like repurposed sound, repurposed video, then this might be something you get into. Like, if you saw Steve Martin's The Man With Two Brains, or not The Man With Two Brains, uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. <laughs> if you saw that and you were like, I want to know what what else you could do with other movies, um, this is that. It's It was made from a place of love to do something different with something that I thought sucked. Yeah. Um, so are we going to see more of that? You know, I, we have the technology now to do things that were pretty difficult in the past. You know, you you have your found footage films that um, experimental films. There's been some really cool stuff, but like this level of editing and stuff, we haven't seen a whole lot of that. No, and I think that. There's a very good chance that you will in the future, uh, very soon. Uh, we've kind of gone over it on the podcast with um, uh, downloadable content as movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with video editing software becoming what it is becoming, and the availability of it, uh, not just with iMovie, but with you know whatever different options you have to edit films together people are going to get creative and people are going to have some fun. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about a, a, something like YouTube 
is that you know you slap that I don't own any of this and I'm just a fan, um, yeah. and you're not trying to monetize it, then you get to do things for the love. And that was one of those things that like I'm glad it hasn't been taken down. I mean, we started this trip going down fan fiction. We watched a a bunch of Star Wars fan films, mm -hmm. and they were all pretty cool, but this was something a little bit different because those other ones they kind of felt like like listening to a cover band mm -hmm. trying to like remake the original but a little bit different we changed the we've got different drums and so it changes the tempo and so so it's not the same song but it's the same song this is like it's the <laughs> same song with different music um you know it was it was like if a french disco band covered Star Wars and I'm okay with that I, I'm okay with the visual I, I you know the, the aesthetics I was okay with the sound I was okay with getting rid of all the extra dialogue mm -hmm. um, I would like to see what they did to uh, 4, 5, and 6 I'd love to see that I'd like to see more from from the folks that edited this this film that's where I stand on it yeah um, it was like if, if that was the first thing they did, I'd like to see more of it. I don't I don't want it to stop there. I'd love for them to ooh do Nightmare on Elm Street. That'd be fun. Turn Nightmare on Elm Street into take that whole or all the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Oh gosh, you turn it two hour mega mix. Yeah. Didn't he go to space? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? And he went to hell too, right? J went to hell. No, Jason went to hell. Jason went to hell. Jason went to New York City as well. Jason yeah. took Manhattan. In space. In space. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could you could totally do this. I just have to stay at Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> you know, uh, we live in a world where the technology is available. We might as well. Uh, I'm sure someone is doing something awesome to the Hulk. And if they're not, that's your cue. <laughs> do something awesome with the Hulk. Get um, no, no. Do you think we're ever going to see any, uh, any new Hulk movies or... Or do you think we we got Eric Bana, we got uh, not Edward Furlong, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Uh, from what I understand, there's some issue going on where Ed Norton that's was doing the standalone movies, so they weren't able to have Mark Ruffalo do the standalone movies. But they don't want to use Edward Norton. I'll have to go back and read up on that again. Exactly. He only did one, but it was it was of the two. The much better one. I like that the the Eric Bana came out. It felt like a comic book. John movie. Woo, Eric Bana. Uh, Not John Woo. Um, no, Ang Lee. Ang Lee. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, which you know, it, it watching it felt like a comic book movie, and so like yeah, it did a very good job of that. Um, but I I expected more, and I also watched the bootleg version. Like I'll cop to that. Um, when it came out, like it came out on boot like two weeks or three weeks before it came out in theater. So like, just like with um, Logan, I believe it was Logan or the Wolverine, when it came out a little bit early, the special effects weren't finished. Um, yeah. But the movie itself, you know, it just it wasn't great. The Ed Norton version was so good. Yeah. So good. Um, and I enjoyed watching that. It's one that I would recommend, I would say, is definitely among Ed Norton's best movies. Um, and and there used to be a time where I felt a little bit dirty saying that a comic book movie 
might be some of the best work of, of an actor's career. But, you know, guys are putting in these awesome, uh, these awesome performances. Mm -hmm. uh, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger. Um, I, I couldn't imagine anyone other than Michael Keaton as the first Batman. Right. Um, and, and looking back on it, he's a weird choice for that first Batman. <laughs> Just a strange dude to play that role. But he did it, and and that's the one that that's the first one you remember, yeah. Yep. And then it moved on to you know, uh, fucking George Clooney and Val Kilmer with the nipples, with the nipples. <laughs> um, and then you moved into the Christopher Nolan, Christian May, uh, Christian Bale, uh, Dark Knights, mm -hmm. and those are they fit. Yeah, you, know, you see Batman as a as a supremely flawed individ, uh, individual, a dude with some mental health problems, and uh, <laughs> and so that so we get that, um, and you didn't really get that from the Michael Keaton films, but you definitely didn't get that. You, you didn't get a whole lot of lo uh, layers of emotions in either the George Clooney or the Val Kilmer uh, Batman. I'm still like. Why the fuck do those movies exist? Oh, because you're trying to bleed off of the Michael Keaton movies. Yep. Um, cash in. Just cash in all of it. Which, whatever. I'm excited to see Michael Keaton come back as Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the films are the films are different with Christopher Nolan, and I, I, I'm interested in seeing Robert Pattinson um, as in the role of Batman. But I'm I'm more interested in in the next James Bond you know this this last film with Daniel Craig um, I keep want to say Sam Raimi but it's definitely not uh, Sam Raimi of uh, of Evil Dead fame um, <laughs> Sam Mendes uh, Sam Mendes who did American Beauty in the last couple of uh, um, Bond movies I think this is the last film that those two are doing together um, so we'll see where it goes I don't know. Yeah. And who would you like to see? If this is um, the last film with Daniel Craig as um, James Bond, who would you like to see uh, take that role of? There is so much controversy around Idris Elba. And like me and my brother having this, and like I don't have any problem with Idris Elba doing it, but I feel like Idris Elba is too big of a personality to play Bond. Like, I feel. You know, when you take on a character, you step into the role and you become that character. And I feel like Idris Elba, after seeing him in Luther, I don't want to see him fit into that role necessarily. Yeah. I want to see Idris Elba being himself. And I feel that Bond comes with a lot of kind of restrictions. But I feel Daniel Craig kind of, you know, blew his nose at all the restrictions that had been there previously. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Idris Elba would be amazing. Um, you know, you look back on, on other actors who've done it, right? Mm -hmm. So Roger Moore, um, he hammed it up. Like, those were, they were essentially comedies, right? Yeah. Um, Sean Connery, too. Sean Connery as well. <laughs> um, Roger Dalton, um, not Roger Dalton, Timothy Dalton, um, was, was a more serious actor in that Bond role. Um, Pierce Brosnan was just a handsome dude. Yeah. Uh, and he just essentially played Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Um, I think that if you do if you do a Idris Elba as James Bond, 
you've you have to do it the same way that you did Daniel Craig because he is he's an actor, right? Like he's done um, like Luther's a great series. Luther's a really wonderful series. And if it's if it's Luther as James Bond, that could really that could really work. Yeah. Um, but if it's he's also in a Fast and the Furious movie, and so like, <laughs> yeah. So, so once you've done that, man, like you're just <laughs> there's kinda, no going back. There's no going. You're you're no, you don't go back to being a real actor. Um, you know, like no matter what he does, like Jason Statham, uh, I, I don't know that he's necessarily ever going to be able to go back to. Um, uh, you know, like a British gangster movie with the same energy. Uh, you know, like I, I love The Gentleman. Uh, that was my favorite Guy Ritchie mill, uh, movie in a long time. Um, but I couldn't have seen Jason Statham in that. Now, I wa- watching Hobbs and Shaw, I felt like he was putting in a performance that he wanted to go back to those roles. But the money has got to be so good in the Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah. Um, that he doesn't really want to go back to those roles. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, he's got a, a lot of films that are kind of straight to video and stuff. Yeah. That have been really enjoyable, really... Oh, he's yeah. an enjoyable actor. Yeah. Without without any question, Jason Statham is a, he's an enjoyable actor. He's, yeah. Uh, he's like definitely got a personality that shines through. Uh, but I, I, you know, I wouldn't want to see him as Bond. I wouldn't want to see him as... Uh, in, yeah. in a lot of different roles um, that Daniel Craig just kind of slips into. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig can play pretty much anything. Um, and, and not to take away from Jason Statham, but I, I wouldn't want to see Jason Statham as Bond. Um, yeah. I could see Idris Elba. It makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, the only other options He's coming out... suaveness to him, you know? Um, as he gets older, maybe Colin Farrell... Hmm. Um, but I don't know if he's necessarily like he would be an, an, I think you'd have to play it more of the mental health aspect Bond you know <laughs> he'd be a great Bond bad guy yeah um, I think he could do that steal Bond's chick and then you know kill her um, <laughs> for the upteenth time for the upteenth time yeah if you're a woman like why don't you stay away from James Bond like if you're you're a chick in the know. You're like, oh, you always get killed mm-hmm. if you're James Bond's chick. This is, I'm not gonna make it out of this story alive. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get blown up. Something bad is gonna happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I, Idris Elba is probably the most logical choice. Um, after him, you know, there's, it's really a whole bunch of question marks. I mean, like, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, maybe why not? Sure. He did um, play Kong. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, you have options. You have you have options with him. Um, shit, I don't know. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah. I, I think it. I think for the sake of this argument, it has to be Idris Elba. Yeah. Um, or Javier Bottom. Why not? Why not? Ooh. Although he was a bad guy in a Bond film. So for him to come back and play Bond might be a little bit. Hmm. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, it was clicking bills, but I yeah, I got it. nothing. I you know. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's Cedric Elba. Yep. All right. So there you go. If you have any ideas who you would like to see James, uh, as the next James Bond, let me know. It doesn't even have to be a good idea. Like you say, you know what? Sting. He's a thousand years old. He doesn't look like James Bond, but uh, but he was a part of the police, and so there's that. You know what? Let's beef up Taika Waititi and have him play Bond. Who? Taika Waititi. I don't know who that is. I uh, directed um, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he's in. There's a vampire flick. It's also a show on a, I think off FX now about uh, vampire roommates. That's absolutely hilarious. Okay. What we do in what we do in the dark, I think is what it's called. Hilarious film. Uh, he was Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Yeah, he's a very very funny man. Another great movie. Yes. Another great movie. Yeah. Probably my favorite Scarlett Johansson film of all time, and not just because they executed her. <laughs> um, no, it's just such a great film. Jojo Rabbit was a lot of fun. Did you ever see Perfect Score? No. Scarlett Johansson and Captain America before their Marvel career? No. Yeah. They're, uh, I think they're looking to pass their SATs and decide to steal the test so that they can win. And so it's the night of their, it's kind of a little heist film where they play. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, my first, uh, my introduction to Scarlett Johansson was uh, um, the Bill Murray film. Lost in Translation? Lost in Translation, yes. Yeah. That came out a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, if I recall, like, didn't she play, wasn't her character like 17 in the movie? I think so. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Well, I guess what happens in Tokyo stays in Tokyo. <laughs> well, that might be legal there. It might be. Up yeah. until like a couple of years ago, 16 was age of consent here. Well, that's good. Okay. Well, <laughs> well okay. Yeah. And there's some states with lower. I don't. Maybe everywhere is up to 18 now, but. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm past that point in my life yeah, where I'm like. Yeah, really got to worry about it. <laughs> no, I'm good, man. Good. Good. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I'm good. All right, man, we got to wrap up. We've got a long day tomorrow. I've got a long day. You have a day. All <laughs> right. Ladies, gents, others, uh, have, have a great time. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Um, and, uh, yeah, check out or, or don't check out uh, Neon Noir Star Wars. If you know of any cool, like, fan flicks, send them our way. Mm. All right. Have a great night. Have a great day. Have a great whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you so much for checking this out.